You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded hoes. Hey guys, welcome back. It's Danny, and I'm starting the podcast again. However, it's kind of had a little bit of a facelift, so it's now going by 50 plus a tip, and it's just myself here, and it's kind of my little passion project. Megan ended up having some other things come up work-wise and her personal life, and that just kind of took her away from the podcast, so I'm going to be doing it on my own here on out, and we wish her all the best. So... Why 50 plus a tip? I know that probably sounds like a really weird name for the podcast. However, any dancer can tell you the biggest question we get asked all the time, aside from if we want to fuck someone, is how much is a dance? And my answer is always, it's 50 plus a tip. So it just made sense that that would be the podcast title. So that's there's, there you have it. So just a recap of my summer, I completed the yoga course that we had talked about in X's podcast, and you know, I can't tell you it got any better. <laughs> I was really just, I felt way too um, anti-granola for the course, but it, it was good in the sense where I met some great people, and I got my certificate, so yay for me, and I'm not teaching yet, so if you have any yoga leads out there, feel free to inbox me or DM me. And that would be great. Um, I went to Vegas with a girlfriend of mine. And I'm really like, when I tell people I went to Vegas, they always kind of like, why? Because I'm not a big drinker and I don't do drugs. So I'm kind of the like wrong person to be in Vegas. But it was perfect in the sense where it's a super cheap flight, just hung up by the pool during the day. At night, we went for a nice dinner. Um, it was a nice little weekend getaway. So there's a way to do Vegas where you're not completely regretting it on the next Monday. <laughs> and then I did a little bit of traveling for work this summer. Not too much, but I went to the Fox in Victoria with two of my girlfriends who you're actually going to hear from at some point where this season of the podcast and the Fox is this it's the only strip club out there on the island and it's it was really weird so it's a no contact lap dance place which I've never experienced before in my life when I was in Fort Mac it was one-way contact in the sense where you can touch the gentleman within reason, of course, but they can't touch you. So that was okay. You just do lap dances and then air dances and that's fine. But this was in a completely no contact bar and you go into this room and there's a tiny little stage, like a four by four, maybe not that big foot stage and no pole or anything. And you just awkwardly kind of shuffle about on the stage in front of the gentleman. And, you know, it's $40 for them. So it's not exactly a cheap dance and it's not a lap dance. It's kind of just watching a girl dance on your own little stage and you can't lean in. They can't lean toward you. Um, but yeah, so they're pretty strict with the rules there. That was a definitely an interesting uh, adaptation for me. Um, but yeah, it was fine. I only ended up doing the one night because I had some clients in town that ended up calling me. So I came back from the island earlier than expected. But then we see on Instagram about a week later that the Fox closed down. So it was kind of lucky that we made our one little trip out there and I got to experience that. And um, we are thinking about going to Winnipeg. When I say we, two of my girlfriends have kind of been like planning to travel together with me for work. So we're thinking about hitting up Winnipeg at some point. I do want to go back to Vegas, either in September, October, or both. 
And um, then for work-wise, I think we might try out JJ's in Camel River. So anyone listening who's out those ways, um, feel free to slide into my inbox, hit me, hit us up at the club, get a lap dance. Um, <laughs> I'll be there. So that was kind of my summer. It wasn't that eventful. I uh, worked a lot for PR, so private parties, stags, boat parties. That was pretty much most of my summer, which was good. Um, It was slow at the beginning, but then it picked up, so that was nice. I just worked actually really proud of me. This week, I've worked four times this week, which is anyone that knows me is quite a feat, and it's been really good. I did two boat parties, and they're really pretty chill boat parties. No no wild, crazy antics that I can spill to you, so maybe next time. <laughs> so if you follow the Instagram, I post on my own personal story, and I post on the 50 Plus a Tip Instagram handle. Any questions you have that you wanted a stripper, a sex worker in general to answer you could throw in and just a little um tidbit when I say sex worker it's really an umbrella term for all areas of sex work whether that be stripping pro dom professional dominatrix cam girling sugar baby sugar daddy all that kind of stuff that's all within the realm when I use the term sex work so it doesn't necessarily mean you're providing sex for money so any questions you had for sex workers and we had some really good one come in so this Uh, There's specifically 10 that kind of kept getting repeated, so I narrowed those down. So the first one I always get asked is, you know, how did you get, and the person said, in the biz, which I absolutely love because in the biz um, is a kind of a term sex workers tend to use. So I love that she kind of, sorry, that was Bentley. He's still here. (laughs) Bentley sneezing away. Ignore him. So yeah, so how did you get in the biz? So I moved out to Fort Mac let's say that I think this is six or seven years ago now with a boyfriend at the time because he had a job out in the rigs when the rigs were a big thing and money was great in Fort Mac and his cousin also lived out there and she was a manager the bar manager at a strip club and she was telling me you know it's really good money just come on here and serve make some money while he's on the rigs so I did that and I served out there and I was making really good money I'd make like a thousand dollars in tips some night it was crazy money out there and um I was, you know, the skirt I was wearing was quite, you know, um, for lack of a better term, slutty. And I said that in the most loving way possible. Um, I love that skirt. But um, my belt was kind of hanging out and whatever. And I've always had pretty big boobs, so my cleavage was out. And I ended up finding the servers to be really quite rude. And the dancers were really sweet. And I got closer to the dancers, and I saw that they were making you know, even better money than I was. And I talked to my manager once, and he said, you know, you should just start dancing. Like, if you don't have a problem with being naked, and it's a, it, was a no con- it was a one-way contact bar, um, so it's not like you're having guys grope you. It's a good way to kind of, like, begin into the industry. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do it. My boyfriend at the time, we talked about it, and he's like, you know, you grew up dancing, so you have no problem being on stage. You have no problem dancing in front of people. Why not do it? He's really supportive. Uh, so I went in for my first shift and I loved it. I made great money in Fort Mac, at least back then they had the rule where as soon as a top or bottom came off, you could no longer be in contact with the gentleman. So you dance on their laps until you took your shirt off or your panties off. And then you had to step back and do air dances. So it was really a less abrasive, um, form of lap dances. And I really enjoyed that. You know, you also, you're only making $13 per song. That's how much goes into the dancer's pockets, but it really adds up because you're selling time. Your, um, people in Fort Mac have a lot of money to spend. So I was doing really well that I really liked it. And then something ended up bringing me back home but after that I 
went back to serving and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't be on someone else's schedule. I couldn't make, you know, what seemed like pennies compared to what I was making. And to be honest, I felt more disrespected as a server than I did as a stripper. So uh, it just made logical sense to go back to what I had been enjoying doing. So I worked at Brandy's for a bit. But I was making the drive from Abbotsford at that time to the va- to Vancouver, and I'd get off at 3 in the morning, and then I'd have to be back for an 8 a.m. Uh, class in Abbotsford. So it was, it was a lot, and I feel like Brandy's just wasn't um, my atmosphere. I didn't like having someone else tell me what to wear, because at Brandy's, they tell you uh, what colors to wear each day of the week. I didn't like that. Um, I felt that was I lost kind of some of my autonomy. And I um, decided to quit Brandy's, and I went back to serving again, tried that, hated it, ended up going to The Five, which is where I am now, if you ever want to stalk me, and I absolutely love it there. It's the best club I've worked at. It's amazing. The dancers are so sweet. The clients, for the most part, are really great, and my manager is amazing. He's a, a doll. I love him. So... I really, really am happy with my choice to be there. I've been there for now, I think, just over four years, I want to say. Um, and I, no complaints about it. I absolutely love it there. So that's how I got long, long-winded story. That's how I got in the biz. I also dabbled in cam work and um, sugar baby and all that as well. And we'll get into all that. Um, I'm sure down the line we have some cam girls and sugar babies on. But yeah, so that's originally how I entered into uh, sex work or stripping. The next question was, what is the average income of a stripper and how's the pay? And I got a lot of questions about that. People saying, you know, how much money are you making? How much money are you making? Which is funny because, and to be honest, I I even say to you guys, you can ask any questions. I'm not going to be offended. But it's funny when people ask certain questions, you would never probably ask that to a different, someone in a different industry. But for some reason, we kind of have a no holds barred when we ask strippers about how much sex they're having and, and how much they're making financially um, and what religion they belong to. It's just funny how we have um, a very different view of what's respectable to ask. But um, it honestly doesn't bother me. You guys can ask anything you want. It really doesn't phase me at all. I just think it's funny to look back at that and think, you know, why do we ask that? Um, so how is the pay? That's a, honestly a really hard question to ask because it changes everywhere you go. It changes on the specifically on the girl. It changes on the night. It changes on the month. So typically the best money, it used to be at least Fort Mac was the best money. And definitely in the winter time, everywhere is better money dancing. So Fort Mac, you could honestly make 30K a month dancing. It was crazy. And that's not, you know, there's no hand jobs, no, like no prostituting, no escorting, nothing like that. Um, it was just, you know, cash money. <laughs> so it can be really good money, but then on the same day, it all balances out because there's days where you go to the club, you pay your floor fee, which I believe I've explained before that we pay to work the club. So you pay your floor fee, and it usually ranges anywhere from 30 to, well, in, I've heard that, and don't quote me on this, but this is what I've been told, that places like California, Miami, things like that, you end up paying like $300 for a floor fee, which is just crazy. But anyways, here it's usually around $30 to $50 now, or dollars for the night. And there's a potential that maybe you don't sell a single dance that night. Maybe the club's dead. Maybe the people in there aren't buying dances. They just want the free shows on the stage. And you paid for a taxi to get there. So now, you know, you're out upwards of like $50 to $70 that night. You've lost money going to work. So dancing can be very lucrative, but there's also the possibility that you lose money. So it's really, um, I mean, on average, you're still obviously making decent money, but that's just to keep in mind that it's not always um, 
so amazing. <laughs> but that being said, um, and it's important to note, I find, and I find, think most strippers find this as well, the stripping industry has definitely gotten less lucrative over the years. Even just in the uh, six, seven years I've been in the industry, I've noticed a huge difference on average what I'm making daily. So what I used to consider was a pretty average night a year or two ago is now a good night. Um, So that's why I think a lot of things, people have moved into PR more and escorting and some prostituting and sugar babies because we, you need to adapt um, to the demand and the demand might not be in the strip club right now. So I, I'm not, I'm not really giving you a number answer. I would say on average, girls will make around any, honestly, anywhere between 500 to 2,500. Oh, Bentley's having a fit here, (laughs) but yeah. So I would say anywhere between mm, 500 to 2,500 a night is, you know, a ballpark. And I know that's, it seems like an extreme ballpark, but, um, it really depends on the girl and depends on what her average is. Right. So yeah, I'm sorry if that, that wasn't, uh, the, cut and dry question answered you wanted. (laughs) Um, But I think it's worth it. (laughs) So the next question was, what's the most difficult part of your work day? I'm going to work. (laughs) For me, anyone that knows me, I'm very... um, Sorry if you guys can hear Bentley just growling. He's playing with his little, like, tug toy. um, And that's him being like, you're not loving me, I'll play with myself. (laughs) So he's just growling away to his toy. Anyway, um, so aside from literally just finding the motivation to get up, because it is in all honesty, like when you don't have someone telling you you have to work, which in our industry, you don't, you work when you want to, as long as you're there before cutoff, you know, I see the clock approaching nine 30, which is my cutoff. And I'm like, Oh, do I want to go in? So that to me is the hardest. Um, but in the actual workday itself, um, it's hard to be motivated when the club is quiet. And it's hard to not be like have a defeatist attitude. At least for me, that's what I find my hardest thing is. If I'm not making money, I do get grumpy. I do want to go home. I don't want to stand there in lingerie, not making a dollar. I'm not making an hourly wage. Um, So I can get a little bitchy, not going to lie. And then, so that's like the hardest part of my actual workday itself is probably staying motivated, getting motivated to go, staying motivated when I'm there. And then to be honest as well, I find sex work, a lot of it's acting. That's kind of what you're, you're being this fantasy for these men and women that come in. And that can be like a little emotionally draining. It can be tedious to maintain a smile and small talk and keeping your calm if someone's rude to you and handling those situations with class, ideally. And sometimes if you have a day where people have said like a lot of rude things to you or they've been extremely cheap or they made jokes about, Oh, you should be dancing for free or you should make me to dance. And you hear all these like constant jokes that people think are hilarious that are not remotely hilarious. Um, you kind of go home and you do feel like emotionally, like mentally drained. And I don't think I'm in the minority saying that a lot of my girlfriends will talk about that. You know, I worked, I worked a hard shift yesterday. I'm just, I need a day off and it is emotional labor. Um, to some degree. And I think that can be a difficult part of a workday is if you're having a lot of people that are just uh, vamp, like energy vampires. Um, you And I think that's as you get older in the industry, not necessarily older, but more experience, you learn to kind of and balance it accordingly. So if I work a really hard shift, 
I will forego work the next day and forego the money for the sake of my own mental health. And I think that's an important thing you start to learn as you develop in the industry. So the next question, is it hard to date? So, I mean, it's hard to date in any damn industry, I trust. (laughs) I believe that. Like, it is hard to date in Vancouver. But um, in the industry itself, it, it can be. It's all about finding who you want as a partner, I guess. To me, it's hard to date when you're trying to adapt to someone else, I find. Because you need to be with a confident partner and there needs to be trust in your relationship or your job is probably going to bother them. And, you know, with my partner, I've, I had him on the X's before and he was very open about how he felt about my, my job and I'll go do a shift or I'll get paid for a date or something like that. And, you know, people will say, oh my gosh, how is your boyfriend so cool with it? Or how is he, this is my favorite, how does your boyfriend allow that? <laughs> Just like the look on my face. They already know they said it wrong because no one's going to allow me to do anything. I'm a grown woman. I will decide what I do. And if it fits with you, then you will stay. And if it doesn't, then you will go. And that's just kind of how I find you need to be, especially in this industry. You need to not have like kind of wiggle room where you're like, you know what, this is my job and this is how I make my income. And if you like me and it works for you, then perfect, let's move forward. And if it doesn't, then that's unfortunate, but all the best. And I think going forward with that mentality, it it weeds out the people that aren't going to work long-term anyway. But I think when girls are first starting in the industry and they're hiding it, I can imagine how hard that would be for dating because you're constantly having to lie about what you're doing or or, um, keeping secrets and stuff. And I find too, when I was single, which I honestly, if you you know me or if you know any of the podcasts before, um, I'm not single too often. I'm kind of a serial uh, serial monogamous, which is, uh, I'm sure, a pro and a con of mine. But it was something you have to be aware of when you're on a date is saying you're a stripper or a sex worker or whatever term you are. You get, I, I found I got two different responses. One, their eyes lit up because they think they're going to get laid. Or it's fun to tell your friends you're dating a stripper. That's really hot to most people. Or um, they're like money bags. They're like stoked because you are financially sound and they can like take advantage of you. And believe it or not, like a lot of men, I know girls always getting a bad rap for being gold diggers or dating for money. Men do it too. And they, they seek out women who have a lot of um, quick income like that. At least I've experienced that a lot in my dating life, unfortunately. So yeah, it can be hard to date, especially because of the stigma that sex workers are constantly faced with. Like, you're a whore, you're going to cheat on them, you just care about money, blah, 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 all these things. Um, And I guess just being upfront from the get-go about who you are and what you do for work it really does help just save time in weeding out people that are going to have an issue and and just knowing before you go into a relationship like these are the things that I'm not willing to compromise I'm not willing to miss work because of this I'm not willing to lose out money because of this I'm not willing to you know drop certain clients because you don't like them like things like that you need to have a talk with yourself and your partner and and figure out those kind of lines ahead of time so when they come up you know your answers Um, and so my quick and quick and dirty rule was always you know it, you cannot jeopardize my finances in the sense where you can't ask me not to work you can't ask me to not make money unless you are making up for the financial loss 
that's just not fair. I would never ask my partner to lose out on money. So I, and you know, and stunt their future or stunt their savings or whatever. So I, I would not allow a partner to ask that of me. And with that mentality, I found success in the sense where I found people that were okay with how I made my money and they trusted me and they knew I was a good person. Um, but yeah, background to Vancouver dating is hard no matter what you do. <laughs> so, uh, yes, it is hard, I guess is the, the short answer. How do your boyfriend's husbands feel about your line of work? So this kind of goes on with um, what I was just talking about. It's all, you know, different to each person. For me, I've had the gamut. I've had some men who say they're okay with it and then they're really not. I've had guys that, you know, bash strippers right from the get-go and then I never, obviously never saw them again after that because I can't be fucked to give my time to that. And I've had men who, like my partner right now, who said, you know, I'm okay with it. I'm actually he didn't have to say okay, I'm okay with it. I remember when I first met him, the first thing I said was, um, you know, I'm a stripper. I go on paid dates, um, which is not prostitution. That's called escorting. It's legal because you're not getting paid for sexual services. <laughs> just to clarify, and um, I said, are you okay with that? And his response was, are you okay with it? It's your body. It's your it's your life. If you're okay with it, who am I to say I'm not okay with it? And that was, he could not have answered it more perfectly. Um, and that's exactly the mentality that we've carried on in our relationship is, you know, if I'm okay with something, then he's okay with it. And within means, of course, and I don't lie to him about things. And we have a very um, need to know basis. Like if he is having a day where he kind of wants to ask questions about my job, he will. And I'll always answer honestly. And there's days where he's not maybe having a little bit of anxiety about things or something's just kind of bothering him at the moment and he doesn't want to know details. And I respect that. And that's kind of the line we've walked and it's really worked for us. Um, but from what my friends and I have talked about, from my own experience with partners, what they find, how they feel about the job a lot of the time is their, their number one worry is that you're going to find someone who you really care for. You're going to emotionally cheat. And on top of that, you're going to find someone who can financially support you if they can't. And I find that's really, at the end of the day, most of the, where the insecurity lies is that you're going to find someone else. It's not really the physical. They can understand, for the most part, that giving lap dances and such, it's, it's, a, it's an act and it's a routine and it's very transactional. But... Uh, the emotional side, I think, is what is what scares partners. Is that you're gonna you're gonna connect with someone, um, and I think I think a lot of us can relate to that feeling. So I think that's really the worry of partners of sex workers. Our next question: Ever had feelings for a client, and what did you do about it? I have to think for a moment because I don't. I, I've met men at a strip club and gone on a date with them. And I've, a partner I had, we reconnected at the strip club, but I had known him for years beforehand. So I don't know if that really counts the client, but I know it varies for each person in the industry. But for myself, once you're a client, I, I see you as a client. And, and that's not saying I don't see you as a human. I don't, I, you know, I um, take that kind of out of it. I still see you as a person, a human, all your own like pros and cons, everything about you. But... For me, I, I maintain a business mentality where if I, someone is a client, 
I'm not going to grab lunch with you for free. I'm not going to have you over to my own home. I'm not going to, you know, catch a movie with you. Um, you're now a client and that business relationship will maintain. We can develop a friendship relationship too, but that business relationship is still the underlying uh, foundation. Um, but that's also because I've, I've had to do that. I think I just, because, because I've always been in a relationship with, in, within this, in, while being in the industry that I need to know going in every person I meet in this industry as a client will remain business. And that gives my partner comfort as well. So I can't say I've ever really, um, had feelings for a client not in a romantic sense. I've, I've cared for them. You know, I've felt friendships with them for sure, but uh, never where I wanted a real future with one. And I think it's not, I think because I haven't met men that would be great to have futures with, I think it's just that I don't allow that to develop for myself. Um, but I know uh, Lola Davina, who is a sex worker, and she has a great book. And it's on Audible, and I think everyone should listen to it. It's called Thriving in Sex Work. Whether you are a sex worker or not, I highly recommend it. It's such an eye-opening for everyone in, in and outside the industry. And she actually ended up marrying. She was a prostitute, and she actually ended up marrying one of her clients. They've been together for years. And so it's m- more than possible that you develop feelings for a client and it actually works it's totally totally possible um just for myself that has not happened do you set so next question do you ever genuinely enjoy your time with a client for sure 100 percent um not 100 percent of the time <laughs> but i and that i think that's once you've kind of developed your own clientele base and you've you're more financially secure you, you're not doing survival sex work, or I hate that term, but for lack of a better term, you're being selective with who your clients are, who your regulars are, and you get to kind of pick and choose. Because like I said earlier, sex work can be very um, tedious and can be emotional labor. So you kind of need to safeguard yourself in the sense where you're picking and choosing who's getting that emotional labor. So um, so for sure, I the men that I've I maintain right now as I'd consider regular clients, I generally enjoy them. Like they are, they ha- they're great conversationalists. They're funny. I enjoy grabbing a dinner with them. I look forward to it. The times that I, I more so don't enjoy a client is one of the one-off clients, you know, uh, just a guy at the strip club getting dances who's really drunk and kind of rude or kind of vulgar or a little too grabby. Obviously, I don't enjoy that. That's not enjoyable for me. Um, but more so, yeah, outside the club, going for dinners and stuff. Those clients, I, I generally do enjoy. And I think, too, a good way to... Um, for, for me to maintain longevity in my own mental health being in the industry, I try to think of one thing about each person that is lovable. That's not saying I'm falling in love with them, but, you know, oh, he has a great sense of humor. Oh, he's so successful. He's really driven. Or, you know, he has a great smile. Like, just kind of noticing one human thing about them that makes them likable. Um, so you can, it helps you to enjoy their presence when they're around. Um... Next question, what satisfies you? So, money. <laughs> money satisfies me. No, um, I'm assuming it's a very vague question, but I'm assuming they mean sexually. Um, to be completely blunt about it, what gets me off is um, oral sex. 
100%. Oral sex, my favorite orgasm. If a guy can eat good pussy, um, that's my favorite of all time. But what satisfies me to be cliche, like to be cheesy, um, like raw good connection with someone. Um, I, I feel like maybe it's because I have a lot of orgasms, <laughs> but um, to me, it's just as equally satisfying to just have a good dinner with someone or a good lunch and connect with them, whether it be your partner, a friend, um, a random encounter. Just feeling that human connection can be so satisfying. And then money. Um, so next question, what do you do when you have your period and how do you feel sexy with cramps? Which is so funny because one of the girls that wrote in with that, and I've had that question more times than I can count. Um, you know, she disclaimed it with being like, please don't think my question's dumb. And it's not dumb at all. I sometimes forget to, um, inform listeners of these kind of things that I think are so common sense or mundane because they're just a part of our life as dancers. But we forget that people that aren't in the industry, like have no clue how that works. Right. So it's a totally fair question. I love that you asked it because I was asked it so many times before you. Uh, so with our period, we work on our own schedule. So there is the opportunity, if you wish, to not work when you're bleeding. When blood is pouring out of your pussy, you don't have to work. But um, I don't think any girls I know choose to not work because you're losing on quite a bit of money for something that's completely natural. And if a guy's gonna, if you're gonna like leak out and a guy's gonna have an issue with it, he's fucking weird, anyways. Um, but yeah, so the trick of the trade, most girls will um, just use a tampon and cut the string can't see it or they just push the string up um i've heard from girls who will have intercourse on their period there's a thing called um it's like a makeup sponge and it's a circular thing and you just put it up there and it doesn't leak out and the guys can't really feel it so i've heard that option but most girls i know that dance they they dance through their period the second question there, how do you feel sexy with cramps? Girl, I totally, totally fucking hear you. Um, I get really bad cramps and I get super bloated. So in that sense, I might skip work, not because I'm bleeding necessarily, but because I feel super bloated or um, my cramps are really bad. Um, but also too, I've heard that exercise can help alleviate cramps. So sometimes when you're dancing, using your stomach muscle and that can kind of help, or at least for me, um, using your core. Bentley's just having a little sneeze fest today. Holy. Bless you, little one. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, for, for cramps and that, like, I might miss if it's hurting. But feeling sexy, like, it's funny because you can't help but feel sexy when you walk into a club and men are just staring. And men are just asking to give you money to see your body. You know, like the job itself makes you sexy, I think. And it's one of those things where you fake it till you make it. Like if you're not feeling sexy in your own period and you get on the floor and you're thinking you look fat, give it about, you know, five minutes of men telling you how hot you are. And those, you just completely forget it. And because especially we are our own worst critic, right? So when we look in the mirror, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so fucking bloated. Yeah, I highly doubt that horny drunk guy downstairs is going to notice it. Um, so... You just kind of power through it, and uh, it's really it's really not a thing for most girls, I think, in the industry, worrying about their periods. And then we had um, a couple more questions that are more getting into areas of sex work, and we'll just briefly touch on them because I do have 
um, some sugar babies, some and some escorts coming in to talk in future episodes. So um, one asks, you know, what is a sugar baby? So great question because it's a very broad term. Um, a sugar baby, in essence, is it's a woman who gets paid typically by an older, financially stable man for her company. And sometimes they're given allowance where there's a certain amount per month they, they're given for hanging out with him. And some of them are given a pay-per-meet agreement where they get paid per dinner, per lunch, per hangout, per date. Um, so I, to answer your question what a sugar baby is, it really depends on the arrangement they've made with each other. I know a girlfriend of mine was a sugar mama, and, you know, she just paid a younger girl. and The girl was about 25. She wasn't, like, you know, she wasn't a child, of course, but she wasn't, you know, old. And um, she paid her good amount of money to have sex with her boyfriend while she watched. So every, and then I know some girls who have sugar daddies who just give them, you know, a certain amount of money per month and they text or they will Skype each other every once in a while for company. Or I know girls who get paid per time they hang out, you know, whatever that hangout looks like is up to them and their arrangement. Um, so really the, the bottom line of a sugar baby is a man or woman who gets paid to provide company or companionship to a typically older individual, typically of the opposite sex, um, who's perhaps financially more stable than they are or more willing to financially assist. So the idea of you're giving financial benefits to someone who's giving you um, companion benefits. Uh, and then another person asks, you know, isn't an escort and a prostitute the same thing? So they're, they're actually not, but we people tend to kind of meddle it all up and put it all together. What the true term for an escort is, it's someone who's getting paid for their time. So whether you are going for a lunch with someone and they're paying you for that, you're going for a dinner, you're having a nice date to a movie, or you're being their date to a work thing that they want someone on their arm, if you're getting paid for that kind of time and companionship, that's an escort. If then that transitions into a sexual thing where you're agreed, you know, I will be paid this much for this sexual act, that's prostitution. And escorting is perfectly legal in Canada. Prostituting, it's a whole gray area that we can totally unpack on an upcoming episode because it's actually what I'm writing my doctoral dissertation on is our sex work legality in Canada. And that's a whole other thing for a whole other episode that we will fully get into because the more you know, right? But that's the difference between an escort and a prostitute is the true form of an escort, it doesn't have a sexual act component to it and a prostitute does and it's totally possible that someone who escorts is actually also a prostitute and vice versa it's possible that a stripper is an escort it's possible that a stripper is a prostitute it's possible that a sugar baby is also a prostitute you know all those things there's there's a lot of um, crossover potential in all those areas and that's why with sex work it just kind of is an umbrella term for all that um but yeah, so I absolutely love the questions, guys, because um, I forget sometimes what people don't know. I don't know what you don't know. <laughs> so by all means, always feel free to DM me or the podcast page on Instagram. And if I don't get back to you and answer it via message, I will for sure bring it onto the podcast and answer it because for every person that asks it, there's 10 more wondering. I just know that. <laughs> so yeah, so absolutely love the questions. Um, 
I love answering them. I love giving a little bit of insight because it is such a world that outsiders aren't familiar with. And I find that often the only kind of glimpse you get into it is what Hollywood puts out there and media puts out there. And it's really just not very accurate a lot of the time. So that's one of the reasons why I was so excited to start the podcast up again and kind of do it with a different um, a different agenda was because I've just had the pleasure of meeting so many amazing women in my industry and they just deserve a voice and they deserve to be heard. For lack of a better term, squares or outsiders, commoners, whatever, <laughs> civilians, non-sex workers um, have a right to have a true portrayal of what sex work is and all like the good, the bad, the ugly, trust me, there's a little bit of all of it. But yeah, I just wanted um, an avenue to speak to you all. And even if no one ever listens to the podcast, it's nice to just speak sometimes. So thank you for listening. Thank you for letting me, you know, shoot the shit with you, talk nonsense, talk about my passions. Um, I appreciate literally every single one of you. I appreciate everyone who writes in and is open with the questions they have and please don't ever think you're dumb asking a question no question is dumb no question I think is um unwarranted if I think you're being rude I'll tell you straight off I think you're being fucking rude because that's just how I am but um you're never gonna really offend me so with that being said I would love guests to come on the show. My goal is to have a guest every second or third episode ideally so i I'm with preference to sex workers, just to give everyone a voice. And whether you're, you know, a stripper, a cam girl, a pro dom, a sugar mama, sugar daddy, sugar baby, any of the sugar family, um, yeah, please reach out to me. I would love to have you on. I will make it work. We'll find a place. We'll find some time. And also, if you're not a sex worker, if you're just someone who feels like they have something to say regarding sexuality or relationships, this podcast isn't necessarily just, you know, focusing on sex work. I do want people to just feel comfortable talking about sexuality and talking about where they're at and, you know, asking the awkward, weird, dirty questions. Um, I love them all. So even if you're not a sex worker and you feel like you have something to say or you know a friend who you feel like would be perfect to be on here, please uh, shoot me a message at... Um, my Instagram and I will get back to you and we'll sort that out. So that's it for this episode of 50 plus a tip. Follow me at 50 plus a tip. That's the five zero P L U S A T I P on Instagram. Or you can email me at 50 plus a tip at gmail.com. So enjoy the rest of your week and happy hoeing.